SMS SAFM now on 41391. Late Night Conversations with Patricia Anduli, Monday to Thursday, 10 p.m. till midnight. We're talking uh, to... Uh Professor Gerald Omar, who's the Director of Institutional Planning at the University of Pretoria. And uh, we are looking at uh, the education landscape, especially higher education, since we are currently in the helm of COVID-19 as a globe. And we want to know what it is that uh, is happening within the educational um, institutions in South Africa. Please do call in A-teamers and interact with us. Perhaps you've got a child who's uh, just finished matric waiting for the results and is looking forward to going to university. Or perhaps you yourself are looking forward to enrolling at a higher education institution and uh, want to know exactly what's going on for this academic year. Please do call in on 011-714-2006 or SMS on 41391. WhatsApps go to 614 Professor Omar, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for having me, Patricia. Now, I understand that uh, your title has recently changed. Congratulations from (laughs) doctor to professor. Thank you. Thank you very much. Hard work does pay, doesn't it? It does. does. (laughs) Now, with with hard work and and, uh, a lot of studying, I'm sure a lot of people are saying, well, yes, the pandemic has opened up opportunity for us to now relook at our career paths and relook at education. And there's been a a, a huge focus on upskilling and um, lifelong learning. Talk to us about uh, the opportunities in uh, higher education that COVID-19 has opened up. Well, I mean, let, let's start with the one that you've just uh, mentioned in terms of upskilling and reskilling. The thing is that with uh, the hemorrhaging of jobs, with the collapse of businesses, with um, a number of industries struggling to stay afloat, given the challenges related to the pandemic, uh, globally, not just in South Africa, quite a number of people are going to have to uh, reskill, uh, pretty much almost start afresh uh, in terms of um, uh, acquiring skills that will put them in good state to thrive in these changing times, and also to upskill. So the idea essentially is to, for people to, to acquire skills that are going to empower them to be able to survive in, in the kinds of situations that we find ourselves in. So that is, that is one of uh, the, the, the things uh, that uh, COVID has driven. This, this is something that has been happening. It's not something I, I would say has started with COVID. It's something that has been going on for a long time uh, with a changing society, changing uh, economic landscape. It's always important that people reskill and upskill you know, for them to thrive. Um, then there's also a lot of uh, uh, research that is going on, uh, which uh, many many people may not be aware of. You know, a number of universities, the University of Pretoria, uh, certainly are participating in a number of, of 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 studies. You know, clinical trials and testing, modeling and data science initiatives. You know, research related to uh, various aspects of of the coronavirus disease, you know, Uh, and also, you know, quite a number of uh, community outreach and and, and mental health support initiatives that universities are uh, involved in. The other thing, of course, is the whole idea around transdisciplinary or, you know, interdisciplinary research. Of course, this is not something new. This is something that has been going on, but COVID has, 
kind of added uh, uh, impetus to this, societal challenges do not come neatly packaged. So there is a need for multiple, you know, disciplinary perspectives coming together so that we're able to understand some of these phenomena a lot more better and be able to come up with uh, initiatives or interventions that can address these challenges uh, uh, um, sustainably and, 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 you know, simply to just provide solutions to these very complex challenges. The other one is the whole idea about, you know, uh, rethinking the role of the university. This is quite, quite critical, as you would appreciate, you know, for a long time we've had this very complex, uh, at times contradictory relationship between universities and societies, and I should add the state as well. Now, one of the things that COVID has helped us with is to try and reimagine that relationship, you know, and develop these very productive, constructive partnerships and, and to strengthen the understanding that universities have got a critical role to play in the transformation of society, you know, and, and work together with communities, develop partnerships with industry, work with government in trying to fix the challenges that uh, society is facing. So, Patricia, the opportunities are enormous. Professor Omar, talk to us about uh, this academic year being a 2021. Are universities Mm. ready to start um, with the academic year? And when should we be expecting? Because we're hearing talks of of April, but that would obviously mean that the academic year is much, much shorter because usually for first years, it would start around the end of January, February. Um, So so what is expected for this academic year? Look, um, you know, it's difficult to talk about the 2021 academic year without locating it in the context of the 2020 academic year. As, as you know, you know, in, in March uh, 2020, we went into lockdown level five. I think it was on 26th March. Um, uh, students had to leave, um, you know, uh, campuses and all that. And universities had to rework the academic calendar, you know, and transition to emergency remote teaching and learning or blended learning for some of the institutions, you know, and what that did, what, what that led to was that, you know, we we had uh, to provide devices to students, we had to rethink quite a number of things in terms of, say, the assessment of our students and all that, and not all universities were able to do these things uh, at the same time, meaning that some universities were able to transition, uh, for example, the University of Pretoria a lot faster than some of some other universities. Um, so universities like the University of Pretoria were able to then complete the academic year, the 2020 academic year in December last year. But we do still have a few universities that have not completed the academic year, you know, because of, you know, challenges related to getting devices to students and, 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 and other related challenges. And so universities like the University of Pretoria are going to be ready to commence with the academic year, the 2021 academic year, in March 2021. Now, the reason why, you know, the University of Pretoria is starting in March is because, you know, the matric results are not ready yet. So the reason why in the previous years we started in late January, early February, is because the matric results came out uh, early in the year. And so we would admit the students and the academic year would start. So for the University of Pretoria, speaking specifically about UP, we're starting in March because matric results are only going to be coming out 
you know, maybe late January, uh, late, late, late February, you know, but if the results, and again, because of the challenges we had with the academic year, even for, for, for schools, you know, if the results were coming uh, earlier, as, as has been the case in previous years, would have been able to start in January already. So what happens to those um, institutions that were not able to complete the academic year in 2020? And what happens to those students? They're completing the academic year. They're mm-hmm. completing the academic year. Within this year. This year. Uh, in this year. In this year, yes. It's spilled over to 2021. Now, it's very clear that uh, COVID-19 has cost, uh, caused a lot of uh, disruptions in the academic programs and as well as things like uh, research and finances and, and the well-being of staff and students. Um, but the mode of delivery as well has drastically changed for most institutions. Do you foresee us uh, being a, a country that will use a, a blended approach when it comes to the delivery of education between uh, face-to-face learning and also then online and, and perhaps even distance learning all put together? Look, that is the future. That is, that is, that is where uh, educational position is going. Um, again, this is something that COVID has expedited in terms of the take-up, but it's something that has been around for a while. We've just been slow in taking up, you know, blended learning. But some institutions like the University of Pretoria has been experimenting with blended learning for the past five or so years. Remember, uh, in South Africa, 2015, 2016, with fees must fall, you know, quite a number of universities had to rethink their pedagogical approaches. And, and blended learning was one of the approaches that was adopted by institutions for them to be able to see through, you know, the academic year then, 2015, 2016. Now, um, one might say um, 2020 was almost a pilot year for blended learning. We had to move into it you know, in, a, in an emergency mode because the circumstances were such that we could not do face-to-face, you know. And, and going forward, this, this for me is going to be the default pedagogical approach, you know, not just in South Africa, but probably across the world, you know, uh, where, where we, we, we have a mixture of face-to-face teaching and learning and also online, you know, and, and there are different modes, you know, of blended learning. It could be rotation, it could be flips, it could be flex, and, and then you're able to address different learning styles. You do, you, you're able to address, um, you know, say, for, for example, students who are working, you know, were not able to be in class full time, you know, so you, you can have, you can have a, a, a blended learning approach that addresses the specific needs of these kinds of students and therefore also be able to address challenges related to say, student accommodation. You know, all across the system, we do not have enough uh, um, uh, residences to accommodate all the students who need this, you know. And so blended learning is going in one or the other to address this. So, and the minister has, as the minister of higher education, uh, science and, and innovation, has also made the point that this is going to be a priority that the Department of Higher Education, uh, uh, science and innovation is going to pursue. So, yes, it 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 it, it presents uh, uh, um, pedagogical opportunities that could help us address quite 
I mean, some of the challenges that we, we currently are facing in the system. The very sad reality, though, um, and I'm sure, Professor Omar, you would agree with me, is that it, although it, it, it's, it's going to be very exciting to see our um, mode of delivery uh, of education in high institutions becoming blended, but it might create much more of a divide for our society in terms of those who have and those who don't have. You can imagine a student coming from the rural um, communities of Limpopo, Eastern Cape or KZN or wherever it may be, who m- might need the hand-holding, who might not have access um, to a stable internet or to be able to receive um, distance learning posted um, materials to them. This might create an even bigger divide uh, for access into education for those in those communities. No, you're right. You, you raise a very important point. You know, one of the things that COVID did was to uh, make the, the challenges we face as a, as a society even more pronounced in terms of some of the examples that you've given. The good thing is that uh, the Minister of Education, Science and Innovation has mentioned that this is going to be a policy priority in terms of addressing exactly what you're saying. I know the Department of Higher Education has been, um, you know, there's a project that they've been running, I think, um, to try and identify areas that do not have connectivity and, and, and see, you know, uh, what could be done to make sure that these areas are covered. So you're raising an important point, and this is also one of the areas that would require some kind of a type of type alliance, for want of a better word, between higher education institutions, uh, telcos, and, and, and government. I mean, as, as you would understand, telcos are for-profit entities, and so they will not set up shop in areas where they may not make a good return on their investment. And therefore, there is a need for... Uh, partnerships, you know, uh, bringing together government, universities, and 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 and, and other uh, players to make sure that we're able to put in place the infrastructure necessary for there to be internet connectivity in areas that would otherwise not have it. So yes, you're raising an important point, but the good news is that there are some discussions around addressing that and some initiatives that are in place to try and address that challenge as well. In terms of uh, finances, are educational mm. institutions going to be hiking their fees or are fees going to stay the same or are fees going to uh, decrease or fall in light of the fact that uh, COVID-19 has created a huge financial strain on many South Africans? Now you're raising a very important point. <laughs> I think, <laughs> Professor Omar, you and I are on a, on a very important discussion. <laughs> and... and and a tough one, for that matter. Look, you know, we universities universities are facing very tough, you know, uh, uh, financial challenges. It's not started in 2020 with COVID. COVID just aggravated it for a long time. The funding for universities has been going down in real times, you know, um, and universities need money for them to be able to provide. Uh, an excellent education to expand access to conduct uh, uh, cutting-edge research, you know, and 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 so what is needed is to get to a point of equilibrium where universities remain sustainable. They have got funding, but also um, they don't do it in such a manner that they negatively impact on access, especially by poor South Africans. Now, to answer you directly. 
the minister has given guidelines. I think it was last year. Fees for 2021 is going to increase by 4.7%, if I'm not mistaken. So it's kind of a um, you know, small increase, uh, simply because, again, universities need resources for them to be able to operate, for them to be able to provide a good quality education, for them to be able to pursue research that makes a difference in society. All right, so definitely we are looking forward to this uh, academic year and uh, ready to tackle the challenges that COVID-19 has uh, presented to the academic uh, institutions in South Africa. Any any encouragement uh, to students who are from the class of 2020 or those who will be taking degrees for the first time, regardless of which class they matriculated in uh, this year? Any words to encourage them to ensure that uh, they, they, they don't back down or fear going into um, the, the academic year? We understand that they've, they wrote uh, matric uh, under circumstances that were less than ideal. There were challenges there, you know. Um, what I'd like to assure them is that that is not the end of uh, everything. You know, there's light at the end of the tunnel. Universities are ready for them. Uh, the 2021 academic year, we're waiting for them, and we're ha- happy. And, and, and I mean, we're happy and ready and willing to engage with them to help them build their future, so that they can contribute to the development of this country. So they should not should not give up hope. You know, again, the circumstances in 2020 and now even in 2021 are less than ideal. Um, this is going to make them stronger. As they say, if it doesn't kill you, it makes you stronger, it makes you better. Um, the country needs them, society needs them. We are ready for them. We're going to work together. We're going to support them. And we're going to, 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 to try our best and make sure that we provide them with an education that makes a difference in their lives and an education that empowers them to be able to make a difference in society. And we're looking forward to welcoming them to our campuses. Well, uh, we're looking forward to hearing how that's going to uh, look like uh, in the beginning of April uh, as students come in. And uh, hopefully by then we would have at least uh, put this uh, COVID-19 huge wave uh, to to bed or at least uh, the curve has been flattened. Thank you so very much, uh, Professor Omar, and uh, good luck to you and all your colleagues. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me and all the best. This is SAFM Late Night Conversations. We were talking to Professor Gerald Omar, the Director of Institutional Planning at the University of Pretoria, and we're looking at uh, the the academic year of 2021 with uh, this COVID-19 that we are facing. Let's go to a bit of music, but uh, when we come back, we'll be looking at uh, social issues. South Africa has developed its own organic hand sanitizer unearthed as a safer, healthier alternative. And uh, if you want to get healthier and safer well make sure that you are tuned in and after that do remember Zolega will come at 11 and then Closet Conversations straight after the news the number to keep on your speed dial to interact with us is 011 714 or SMS on 41391 WhatsApps go to 0614104